Good morning, Door Creek. I'm Pastor David, one of the teachers here at Door Creek, also the campus pastor for Northside Madison. Uh, good to be here this morning. Amen. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, happy uh, Palm Sunday to you. This is, uh, yeah, Palm Sunday, a week leading to the, the biggest day of the Christian calendar, uh, the Resurrection Day next week. So, um, happy Palm Sunday to you. So, we're going to be... Uh, Looking at um, the week of passion, the passion week, the holy week, um, the events that have happened um, from Palm Sunday leading up to, uh, we probably won't go all the way through Easter because you'll, you'll get Easter and Good Friday, all of that this week, but um, probably leading up to Monday, Thursday uh, of what happened during the week of passion. So Palm Sunday, growing up as a kid, uh, I was accustomed to come in church. I went to a Baptist church, and we would come to church, and there'd be palm branches all over, and we'd, we'd gather, we'd get them when we come in as kids, you know, we'd gather them, we'd be swinging them and, you know, hitting people in the face with them and, and all of that. Uh, you know, it was, it was a tradition, and uh, it, was, it was nice. As a kid, really didn't understand what it meant. Uh, we just thought, you know, these are nice long branches that, you know, can really whip somebody really good. Uh, so I really didn't know, understand them. But growing up and understanding that, that palms um, were a, a symbol of celebration. And um, so we're going, to, we're going to look at the history of that in the Christian church. So just read a little bit um, to you about the palm branches today. So today many Christian churches distribute palm branches to worshipers on Palm Sunday, which is the sixth Sunday of Lent and the last Sunday before Easter. On Palm Sunday, people remember Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. They praise him for the gift of salvation and look expectantly to his second coming. Customary Palm Sunday observances include the waving of palm branches in procession, the blessing of palms, and the making of small crosses with palm fronds. Palm Sunday also marks the beginning of Holy Week, a solemn week focusing on the final days of Jesus Christ's life. Holy Week um, culminates on Easter Sunday, the most important holiday in Christianity. In ancient times, palm branches symbolized goodness, well-being, and victory. So those are three great things that they symbolize. Um, John wrote in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So he saw this crowd in heaven that no one could number um, from every tribe, tongue, and nation with white robes and palm branches representing goodness, well-being, and victory. And it's good to be a child of God because we know that we have access to all of those well-being, goodness, and victory. So we're going to look at this Holy Week, this Passion Week. Everything Jesus did, this is key, everything that Jesus did, he did it with passion. You would never find Jesus haphazardly, half-stepping, doing anything um, um, half-hearted. Everything he did, he put his heart, his soul, his might into it. And so we're going to look at all the things that he suffered and went through and the expectancy of what he was facing at the end of Holy Week 
but how he still loved us, cared for us, stayed on his mission, didn't get distracted. He did everything according to God's plan. So we're going to we're going to review those things going through Holy Week. One interesting, unique thing about Jesus um, that I love is that he used resources. He used things that were available to him at his fingertips. He used um, two fish, five loaves of bread to feed 5,000 people. He used the well to minister to the Samaritan woman to let her know that you can have life everlasting springing up, that you never have to come back to this well and drink again. You know, he uses those things. He uses, as we're going to see in the reading, he uses a colt to ride in on. And he uses resources. He uses a fig tree to teach a lesson. And we're going to see how Christ can use us. If we make ourselves available to Jesus Christ, he can use, yes, little old me, little old you. He can use you if you make yourself available to him. So during Passion Week, disciples were with him. They were walking with him. Um, Sunday, it says that Jesus and his disciples come, coming from Mark 11. If you can go there real quick. Chapter 11 from St. Mark. And this is the account from Mark. Luke and Matthew always give us an account for Holy Week, which comes from a a, a slight different angle with some of the details. So we're going to use Mark chapter 11. You grab your Bibles, your iPods, iPad, iPhones, and your eyeglasses. Y'all know me in the front row, man. Yes. Mark chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1. Ready? All right. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no man has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. All right, so let's just stop there for a moment. I want to um, subtitle this first portion, Can Jesus Trust Us with the Details? Just ask yourself, can Jesus trust me with the details? Details are important, aren't they? Yeah, when, when, when someone's giving you instructions, if, 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 you're, if, if, you're, like, if you're like me, um, sometimes, you know, my wife would be telling me things and I, and I just kind of, I hear the, the big words, you know, the main words, but I might miss some of the, the details. You know, I might say, okay, she wants me to go to the store, get this, get that. But I might miss some of the details that she's telling me. Let me tell you, people, details are important. When you are living, walking the life of Christ, you got to listen to him with all the details. You have to listen. The disciples knew that this was important because Jesus, he's entering now. He's, he's taking a journey from Galilee all the way to Jerusalem, which is about 78 miles. And he approaches Jerusalem and he comes to a town called Bethphage uh, or Bethany. And we can see here on the map, um, we have a map here where it shows us Bethany and Bethphage, which are right before Jerusalem. He stops in those towns, which are about one to two miles away from each other. And he sends his disciples from Bethany to Bethphage, which means house of unripe figs. That's what Bethphage means. And Bethany means house of figs. Okay, you'll, you'll catch that um, pretty soon. So he sends them up to Bethphage to get a colt. And he tells them, you will find a colt tied 
I want you to untie the colt and the colt has never been ridden before and I want you to bring the colt here. If someone asks you, what are you doing? I want you to tell them the master needs them. Now, first of all, the first miracle in this is that the colt, Jesus says, had never been ridden. Okay? So if you know horses, if you know those kind of animals, if a horse um, or, or, or animal like that had never been ridden, it means it had never been broken. Okay? Y'all know what broken. Broken means that it gets, uh, it gets accustomed to having something sit on it. If it's not accustomed to it, you can't sit on it. It will buck you off. It will not cooperate. So Jesus sends the disciples to get a colt that had never been ridden. So he's taken the, the situation that would not normally work. He's taken the situation and he's turning it in for his good. The cult which human or naturally should resist, Jesus has made it obey. Okay? So he's take, he uses this verse and he tells the disciples, they're going to ask you, what are you doing? And this is what I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them that the master has need and he'll send them back shortly. All right? Details. Because in these days, if you were caught taking someone's coat that didn't belong to you, it was punishable. So they had to follow everything the way Jesus told them to by explaining to them the master needs them, but he will send them back later. Now, even that, if it was my coat, you're still not taking it. You know, if, if it were my cult. But because we serve a great Lord, a great Savior, a passionate Lord who's in control of everything, who takes care of everything for us even before we get here, he takes care of business. So never be afraid to go where God sends you because wherever he sends you, he's already taking care of stuff. Right? Don't be afraid. Trust him. Have faith in God. Believe that he's already taken care of all the things that you can come up against. He told the disciples what to expect and he told them what to say. He told them where to go. All right. And when they brought him back, it says here, they went and found the colt outside in the street, tied at the doorway. As they untied it, guess what? Some people standing there ask, what are you doing? We're untying that colt. And he said, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let him go. Okay? There was no resistance, was there? There was no tussle, was there? No, because Jesus had already taken care of everything. So they answered. So when they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks over it, that's the first mistake that you don't do normally, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted. And this is what they did. They threw the cloak, their clothes and their cloaks on the colt and they put Jesus on the colt. Now, the colt cooperated. Didn't know what that felt like to have someone sitting on him. But it was right. Have you ever been in an uncomfortable situation? where you know God has told you something and you are confident with it, but when you go and, you, and, and it just seems like everything is, is, does, just doesn't make sense, but it works out. Let me tell you a little secret. You know why it works out? Because the Lord has already spoken to that situation. So you don't have to be afraid when Jesus is leading you, when he is guiding you, when he is, he is giving you the instructions. He is taking care of his business for you. So Jesus sat on it and he rolled the colt into Jerusalem. Now, 
Here's the king, the coming king, riding on a colt, not a horse, but riding on a colt. A colt. He's riding, he's because he's coming as a sign of peace, not a sign of war. They said a king that comes on a horse is coming for war, but a king that comes, or someone that comes in on a colt is coming for peace. So Jesus came for peace. Now this is all the first day. This is all Sunday. This is Palm Sunday that's happening now. And the people have spread their cloaks on the ground and they've spread the palm branches on the ground. And this is what they shouted. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Now, the interpretation when they said Hosanna the first time, coming from Psalm 118, it wasn't a praise Hosanna. It was more of a plea Hosanna. It was more of a save us Hosanna. But quickly, that plea turned into a praise because this is what they said. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Then they say Hosanna in the highest. Now they are exalting him. Now they are lifting him. Some didn't believe he was the king. Some believed that he was just a man coming into town, but others shouted Hosanna. He's the one that's coming to save us. He's the one that's coming to deliver us. He is the Messiah that has been promised. So we are, we are praising him by saying Hosanna. We are exalting him and we are saying hallelujah, the king is coming. He'll turn your sorrow into joy. He'll turn the plea into praise. He'll turn your tears, he'll turn them into a smile, he'll give you a smile. God takes care of business and Jesus does everything with passion. I love how he works. It doesn't always make sense to me, but I love how he works. At the end, it all works out. So Jesus goes and he's, he's riding into Jerusalem and he enters Jerusalem and he goes to the temple courts. He looks around at everything, but it was late. So he went back out to Bethany with the 12. So he gets to the temple and he looks around and he says, oh, it's late. Let's go back to Bethany. Bethany is where he stayed with um, Lazarus, Martha and Mary, his friends. He stayed there in Bethany with them. So the 12 and, and Jesus went back. The next day, which would have been Monday, look what happened. It says the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Listen. Jesus, why didn't you eat before we left? <laughs> We're leaving Bethany and you're hungry. Right? You know, if you ever went on a trip and your kids, you know, you get 10 miles down the road, like, I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, mom and dad had breakfast for you. Why didn't you eat? You know, Jesus, he, okay, he's hungry, but he has a plan. Everything he does, he's not trying to be complicated. He wants to teach us something. He's not trying to give you a hard time in your life. He's just trying to teach you something, right? So he tells the disciples, I'm hungry. And he sees a fig tree in the distance and leaf. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, you're hungry. 
You see a fig tree. Now you got to know everything, right? You know everything. So you know the poor fig tree don't have any figs. It's not even in its season. So, you know, is, is, is he, you know, is Jesus like, you know, someone might think, is he like being petty? You know, the, the poor fig tree is not even supposed to be given figs at this time. So because it doesn't have figs, which it's not supposed to, you're going to curse the tree? Why, Jesus? Why would you do that poor little tree? It's just doing what it's supposed to do. The point and the key of Jesus teaching us is that when he needs us, we need to be available to him. When he needs us, when he calls on us, we need to be available. We need to produce when Jesus needs us. We can't give excuses. We can't justify why we're not ready because he gives us everything at our fingertips for us to be ready. Jesus is going and he's teaching the disciples. Listen, he's think, Jesus is about to be crucified and he's still teaching the disciples about life. He's teaching them, be ready. Paul said, be instant in season and out of season. Don't give excuses. Just be ready to give of yourself to the Lord. Be ready to produce when God needs you. Jesus was hungry and the fig tree could not produce. So he cursed the tree. He said, no one will ever eat from you again. Now, if I were the tree and had a brain, I would think that's cold, man. <laughs> that's really cold because I'm really not, I'm not supposed to be producing anything. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. All I have is leaves. That's what I'm supposed to do. Right? You're setting idle. This is what I'm supposed to do. But Jesus says, when I need it, I need it. Because he puts everything in us. He, he'll never ask you to give him anything that he has not put in you. Amen? He'll never ask you to do anything that he won't give you the strength to do it. He'll never send you anywhere where he hasn't been already. He prepares and he prepares with passion. That's why the tree was cursed because Jesus is passionate about what he's doing. The disciples didn't understand, but later on he's going to come to it. So on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple, temple courts. And he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. There he is again talking to all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. So here it is. He gets to the temple. So. He's cursing the tree and he's casting these thieves out. He's casting the robbers out. So he gets to the temple courts. Remember the day before he came there and he saw everything and he left because it was late. So he comes back hoping to find everything in the same condition. But when he comes back, he sees all these people and they're exchanging money, selling doves, making it a, a den of robbers. Jesus said that this is God's house. This is the house of prayer. This should be a place prepared for prayer, prepared for God's presence, not for thieves and robbers. So he's thrown over tables. He's cast. Now, again, you might think, okay, 
Over drama. You, you, over, you know, you're just going overboard, Jesus, because you could just ask the people to leave. You could just ask them to, can you get your doves and all of this, and can you just get out of here? But Jesus has passion. He cares about his mission. He cares about what he came for. He came to live. He came to die. And everything he did, he did it with that passion. So it wasn't a matter of Jesus speaking nicely to them and say, oh, could you please move? No, he turned the tables over. He threw them out of his father's house because it was a place of prayer, not a place for robbers and thieves. They were contaminating the place that is dedicated to worship, to praise, dedicated to honoring God. And that's the way he feels when our temples our body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, is then when our temple is not being used for the right things. We are to be prepared. We are to be available for God to use us. Our bodies, our minds, our souls, our spirits. Because when we give ourselves totally to him, God will move passionately for us. When you give yourself totally to God, he will move passionately for you. So he throws them out. He doesn't allow anyone to come walking through with merchandise. They're selling doves, making a mockery out of the temple of God. The chief priests hear about it. They hear Jesus teaching. And they say, we got to find a way to kill him. His words bothered them. See, the chief priests and the teachers there, they weren't followers of Christ. They were followers of the law. And they wanted to kill him because the whole crowd that was listening to him was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came again, Jesus and his disciples went back out to the city. Now, again, this is only Tuesday. Okay, this is Tuesday. He's got several more days to go in this week. Or I'm sorry, that was Monday. That was Monday. So he's got several more days. So now we come to Tuesday. In the morning... As they went along, they saw the fig tree, poor fig tree, withered from the roots. Peter remembered, and Peter got excited and said, Rabbi, look. Did you, can you hear Peter saying that now? Rabbi, look. The tree that you curse has withered. Now, should Peter be surprised? No, the Lord told him, nothing will eat from you again. So the fig tree was withered. And this is what Jesus said. So Calmly, he said, have faith in God. What? Wait, wait a minute. We went from a cult to a fig tree to a throwing people out at the temple and have faith in God? What does that mean? Well, faith starts within what? What letter does faith start with? What letter does N start with? What letter does G start with? I mean, God. I told you the answer. I told you the answer. What letter does God start with? So we have F I G. What does that spell? <gasps> have fig. Now, who didn't have fig? And what happened to the tree? Look at my wife. I just talked to her. <laughs> Come on.
Come on, people. <laughs> F-I-G. Fig. And when the tree didn't have fig, he cursed it, right? Now, Jesus is encouraging us, have fig. Have faith in God. Whatever situation you are caught in, whatever situation you feel like you are stuck in, whatever situation you feel like you are losing in, have faith in God. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't run away from it. Hang in there and have faith in God. It might not look good, but have faith in God. It may not sound good, but have faith in God. If that's all you got to hold on is to your fig, then you will satisfy Jesus when he calls on you. You will satisfy, you will fulfill his mission when he calls on you. If I'm just standing there with one little F-I-G, one little fig, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to believe in him because he gives me what I need. Hallelujah. I may not have the most beautiful figs, but I got my fig. Have faith in God. So if I can tell you anything, if you leave here this morning with anything, please don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. Have faith in God. Trust him. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You don't want to be like the tree, the fig tree. You want to have fig. You want to produce for God. Now, this is not to make you feel guilty. Say, oh, I haven't been doing what I should be doing. You know, just get up and say, it's time to get busy. It's time to move for God. It's time to passionately live my life. It's time to passionately have faith in God. All right. The spelling test is over. <laughs> have faith in God. Just that simple thing that Jesus is saying. And we know that having faith in God, faith is not just, faith is not a feeling. Okay? Faith is a response to God's word. Mm, I like that. Faith comes by hearing. Now, 1030 service, 9, and yesterday didn't get this. Okay? <laughs> so, throwing this one in. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So have faith in God means you heard something from God. And even though it looks impossible, it is possible because God said it. So what he's saying is have faith in me even when you can't do it yourself. Have faith in me even when your friends can't help you. Have faith in me even when the money doesn't add up. Because if God said it, He's going to do it. Faith is simply responding to God's word. If God didn't say it, then you can't have faith. Anything other than that, faith? He said anything that's not of faith is sin, right? Anything else is uh, you're hoping, you're wishing upon a star. But if God spoke it, because faith comes by hearing his word. And here he spoke his word to the disciples. He spoke his word and God and they weren't responding. And Jesus said, don't be surprised by the tree that it's withered because I spoke to it. And then he later on goes on and we're not going to get into those scripture, but he later on goes on and said, if you speak to this mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea, it will be. Have faith in God. Faith in God. Responding to God's word. 
Now, if God told me to run for president, I would have fig. Hmm? Not fit, but fig. I would believe because God said it. Now, if I came into myself and said, I'm running for president and I believe God's going to give it to me. I have faith that God's going to. God didn't tell me that. Hey, don't get yourself stuck in situations that God did not say or God did not tell you to do something and then say, well, I'm having faith. No, you're not. Because if God didn't say it, then faith can't exist. Only faith only exists when God has spoken because faith is a reaction to what God says. Hallelujah. It's a reaction. It's how we react. Faith is an action. It's not a feeling. Hope is a feeling. Believing is a feeling. But faith is an action. All right. Whew, I wasn't even supposed to preach on that. But uh, Sometimes you just got to go. Maybe somebody here just needed to hear that. So here we are. Tuesday. We're on Tuesday, right? No, we're out here. Now we're on Tuesday. So Jesus is, is um, you know, going back into the city, and Peter is amazed at the tree, and Jesus is, begins to teach. Now, understand this. Jesus is teaching them lessons. He's still passionately teaching. Between Mark chapter 11 and Mark chapter 14 in there somewhere, Jesus teaches about, the, um, he teaches about prayer, faith, forgiveness, he teaches about the parable of the tenants, the taxes to Caesar, um, marriage at the resurrection, the greatest commandment, and warnings against teachers of the law. He is teaching these lessons. He's, um, he's going through this time uh, where the, uh, the disciples are learning, but the people are murmuring around him. This is, on, this is on Tuesday. And he's still understanding that he has the crucifixion, his death still is ahead of him. But it did not stop his passion. It did not stop him from loving us. It did not stop him from forgiving his life. Even in the garden of Gethsemane where he prayed, he was in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Now, I don't know about you. When I'm in agony, I want to quit. I want to give up. When I'm in agony, I'm not thinking all the time. I'm not thinking about praying harder. I'm thinking about getting out of the situation. But when Jesus was in agony, he prayed more earnestly and because of his praying earnestly the angels in heaven came and strengthened him and ministered to him remember that when he said if it's possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but your will be done he was in agony but he prayed more earnestly right so he's teaching he's teaching and encouraging his disciples he's building them up he's telling them to have fig and then he comes to Wednesday and Wednesday he's Jesus is physically tired, but it's called Holy Wednesday where he, he's not, there's not a whole lot of things going on. He's sort of preparing for the Passover. The Passover is about to happen, so he's in anticipation for the Passover. This is what happens on Wednesdays. On Wednesday, he, he, he's needing rest, he's physically tired, and he's preparing for the Passover. Wednesday goes by, and we come to Monday, Thursday. Monday, Thursday. And this is the day where Jesus shared the Last Supper with his disciples. He told the disciples, and you read in chapter 14, now we don't have it in the scripture here, but chapter 14 of Mark, where Jesus told them that he again sent the disciples ahead, details, he sent them ahead to go get a room to prepare for the Passover meal. He said, you'll find a man walking with a water jar. Hey, Jesus giving them details. When you see that man, tell the man that 
the master needs a guest room so he can have supper with his friends. Again, Jesus is filling in all the blanks. He's filling in all the details. I'm so glad I don't have to do that in my life. I'm so glad I can trust Jesus to fill in everything that I don't have the answers to. But he does that. He prepares everything that we need. Now, Jesus using things for his, as resources. Remember, the colt wasn't his, was it? No, the colt wasn't his. The, um, the room that he's using for supper wasn't his. He's a guest. And even to his burial, Jesus is being buried in a tomb that's not even his. That's a borrowed tomb. So he uses whatever he can that's available to him at his, uh, at his uh, disposal. So he uses things that are at his fingertips. So he uses us in that way. So here's Monday, Thursday, and he's celebrating the Last Supper. And he's telling his disciples, he's saying, one of you are going to betray me. And they're looking around. Ain't me. Who is it? Ain't, you know, they're trying to figure out who it is. Jesus said, you don't worry, you know, it, it will be evident. You know, he tells them, um, you know, he, 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 he lets them know that you're going to betray me. And he, he lets his disciples know. He said, listen, you know, you're going to need strength. He goes before he, um, he goes to pray in the garden. He tells the disciples, you know, stay here and pray so you don't fall into temptation. And the disciples, instead of praying, they sleep. And Jesus said, listen, you know, he does it three times. He said, forget it. Don't pray. Just go ahead and sleep because you're going to need your sleep. So this is all Jesus is facing, and he still has to go to the cross. I would be tired and fed up. I would say, you know what? I don't know if it's worth it. But Jesus, thank you. Thank you for having love for me. Thank you for passionately giving yourself. Thank you for not being stuck at the obstacles. Thank you for not giving up because things were against you. Thank you for not giving up when the tree would not produce the fig for you. Thank you for not giving up when they were making a mockery out of the temple. Thank you for not giving up when the disciples were asleep. They should have been praying. Thank you for not giving up, but for loving me. Thank you for giving your life. Thank you for dying. Thank you for praying more earnestly when you are in agony. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving us. This is what he did. This is what he faced. This is what he lived through that week. And what do I, what reason do I have to say, oh, my week is going to be hell this week? What reason do I, I don't have it. Because anything, what Jesus faced, I will never face. But he did it with passion. And he did it with love. And he did it with unconditional love. He loves every single one of you. Every single one of us. But I have to ask you, this week, as you go through your week, you're going you're gonna to face life. But I want to encourage you, make sure you have fig. Make sure that you have faith in God. God is speaking to his people. We must. Listen, he got on the colt. There's going to be some things like a colt that's going to seem impossible. But you're going to have to get on that colt. Okay? Not literally. But fig, you're going to have to get on that coat. You're going to have to get on it. 
You're going to have to ride the impossible situations in your life because God has prepared you and it for the ride. So be blessed and enjoy this week. Live it with passion. Live it with passion. Live with your head held up high. Love people passionately. All right? Share with people this week the love of Christ. Share with them. Wrap your arms around someone and say, you are loved. You are loved. Let them feel Christ's love through you. Amen.